Our scripture today is from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 20. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And her appearance was like lightning and clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. Then they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you remember when we were kids and you would be playing a game and someone would say, do over, do over. That would mean that they wanted to stop for whatever reason. And then there would be an argument that would be following that as to whether or not the reason for the do over was good enough and valid enough to actually award a do over. I think all of us wouldn't mind a do over. If you were to think of Three things in your life, maybe you'll want more than three. But if you were to list the top three things that if you had a chance to live that day again or to live that moment again, that you would say, I really would love to have had that as a do-over. Either it was a mistake, it was something that happened or something that I did that I would in retrospect definitely do different. The land, some call it the land of beginning again, where our past heartaches and mistakes could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door. It's the way that Erwin 
Lutzer described it in Here's Life and never put that coat on again to be able to walk away with it, uh, from it. Why did Jesus suffer as he did? Because we weren't able to go back and do it over. We weren't able to fix it. We couldn't fix ourselves. There is a sad story of the trending and extremely high statistics of the mental health status of young people. Globally, one in seven 10 to 19 year olds are going through some sort of mental struggle and difficulty. Actually, that age group makes up 13% of the entire world's persons who struggle with some sort of burden of whether it's depression, anxiety, uh, disorders, uh, all kinds of disabilities that they struggle with. The consequences all that some will say, well, it's just this or it's these factors. For the advancement of the world, our technology, the intelligence, the greatest things that we can ever develop scientifically and medically, but we aren't fixing ourselves spiritually, mentally, relationship-wise either. There's too much brokenness. It basically says one thing. We are growing faster the number of people that would love to have a do-over than we are those who are finding peace. And so for people who argue against the idea of the reason Jesus came are really missing it. Jesus came to bring peace. Jesus came to bring wholeness, to restore a sense of contentment. Jesus came to give us something that we aren't going to find on our own. That is why he suffered, to take on to himself that which we can't fix ourselves. And Easter is not so much about mourning the death, we uh, uh, mourning the loss of life, it is, as it is about the fact that Jesus demonstrated a defeat of death itself. The resurrection of Jesus should move us to live differently in order to make an impact on that 13%, to make an impact on each other, to be willing to be a community that's different, a community that gathers from all over, of all kinds, of every difference there could possibly be because we are one in Christ. And so one of the ways that we're going to deal with facing the challenges of the life around us is to embrace the resurrection and to embrace what that means for us. I find it interesting that there are 
is there, there let me back up. There was a joke that I remember reading in a joke book when I was in fifth grade or something. I ordered it in one of these book club orders. It was a book of of jokes. And it was this joke about and I can't even remember what group it was. You couldn't tell this joke today because it would be it would be too uh, sharp toward a particular people group. Um, I, I will confound everybody by saying it was about it was about Mennonites. <laughs> you know why Mennonites uh, uh, don't have any ability to win wars? It's because our our tanks don't have a reverse. Yeah, well, it was a bad joke then, and it still is. <laughs> but I won't spoil it by throwing some other people group under the bus. But it is true. And you'll notice it's interesting that the Australian coat of arms and the official coat of arms of, of, of Australia has the picture of an emu and a kangaroo on it. What's the significance of that? These animals were chosen because they share a characteristic that appealed to the forefathers. Both the emu and the kangaroo can only move forward, not back. The emu's three-toed foot causes it to fall if it tries to go backwards. And the kangaroo is prevented from moving in reverse by its large tail. Those who truly choose to follow Jesus become like the emu and the kangaroo, moving only forward and never back. And that is the image that I think is a fitting image of Easter and of the resurrection event, is that Christ is calling his people to not go back or even to need to go back and do a redo, but to be forward-looking. I want to share and read through passage in Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn to, to Philippians 3, 4, starting with verse 4. Now, Paul says, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Okay, so, so Paul is basically being very bold in challenging, saying, oh, you think you got a reason to be justified in Christ? You think you're good enough? You think you're that great? I can top that. I'm even better. I've got all these credentials. I can tell you more than you, you know about the Bible, about the Holy Scriptures, about the, the, uh, the Old Testament, I can tell you more about all this stuff. I have more credentials. There are more banners hanging on my wall than on yours, etc. He goes on to say, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Now you think he's bragging here? Just wait. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss 
for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything. I consider them garbage. Here's Paul saying you can take all those credentials, you can take all of that and say, forget it. It's worth nothing. It means nothing. I won't take it with me. Nobody in heaven is checking people at the door according to their credentials. They're checking people according to their heart and their life and their commitment. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and the, on the basis of faith, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participating in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this. Now here's the part that reminds us of the emu and the kangaroo. Not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on and to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. You see, we're called to press forward. We're not called to go back. The resurrection is a demonstration that there is a future and that there are specific ways that we're called to live in the light of his grace and to attain, as Paul said, somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. And it's not just the grave. It's not just the grave. It's not just being resurrected and living eternally. It's living now. And so one of the things I would guess on your list of three things going back is that you could point back to those things and say, while those were three of the things that were the most challenging things that I, I wish I could do over, that I wish weren't that way, I would also guess that if you listed three of the most important things that guided your growth or changed your life were those things. Why? Because that's what Christ does. He takes the brokenness and doesn't just mend it and heal it. He has a purpose to use the very thing that evil and Satan intended to break us down and to create disorder in our lives and confusion and to create unclarity about what we believe and how we live, he takes that very thing and turns it into a basis, a stepping stone for greater belief and greater strength. So you saw this portrayal of Matthew, this wonderful passage. And we're going to look at three things today that we should be moved to do as a result of Jesus' exit from the cemetery. 
And the first one is this. Do not let fear guide your life. Do not let fear guide your life. The tomb is empty. Check it out. If you must. And then go. And look among the living, not among the dead. But come and check it out. And, and one of the things that I thought was the, one of the strangest parts of this story. I don't know if this struck you. But the scripture says that the angel rolled the stone away and sat on the rock. Now, how many times would we envision like, do angels even sit? And what would be the point of just sitting there on the rock? You know, like they're, they're just sitting there going, you know, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Have a great day. You know, just kind of, it's casual. But it starts to make sense to us, doesn't it? Because the imagery of angels usually in scripture, and, and every time it's referred to it, the shepherds in the field, they were afraid. Joseph and Mary, they were afraid. Every appearance of an angel created this sense of fear. And for these two women, first of all, for two women to go out by themselves at that time of day and, by, and to go to a place where you had sold, that was being guarded by soldiers, the number of soldiers in the, in the reference to how many soldiers were there, the unit of soldiers they refer to would be 60 soldiers. We had two up here. And they, they kind of looked dead. That's what scripture says. They were like dead. Meaning, if you saw what they saw, you would be petrified too. Like, what, what just happened? And for women to come into that setting and be willing to risk that with all their fear and to go and, and, and say, this is our savior. We're willing to go and take care of his body properly. The angel was sitting on the rock to give some sense of peace and saying, people, this is normal. This is every day. It may not seem like it, but not to the soldiers. 60 soldiers crashed out and shaking. But this is normal. This is the way God operates. God operates in a, in a way that we don't understand because we want to make God human rather than allow God to make us divine. We want to somehow bring God to our level as opposed to to being willing. And that's what fear does. It makes us so consumed and absorbed with our own worries that we can't see the bigger picture. So I really think the angel was trying to normalize and, and diminish their fear and just talk very simple to them. He's not here. Go ahead and take a look if you want. But he's not here. And maybe even before they expected, in a very short distance from the tomb, there was Jesus. And they encountered him. And it was an amazing thing. And Jesus, too, 
wanted them to say, this is normal. Expect it. Expect that I am God and that I came to restore you not just to the place before sin messed up your life. I came to actually give you a sense of peace and a sense of purpose and a sense of direction that will be fulfilling for your whole life. The fear that was in this moment was the first thing that the angel said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I know that we often talk about fearing the Lord, but that's a different context of respect. Um, The ladies were fearful of the unknown of what they were stepping into. And you know what? That's just like us too. We're afraid of what it might become or who, who we might become. What if we don't have the same things that we can always blame the things that are wrong to go back to? What if we? it would be easier to just do what we've always done as opposed to being open to something being new and resurrected and changed in something different? But do not be afraid. And Jesus appeared to them too to give them a personal testimony to be able to share with the others. And so they would not be afraid. And when they recognized Jesus, much of their fear was gone. We sang that song, this is how we know he lives. He lives within my heart. When we see and experience the power of God at work in our lives, it takes away fear and gives us faith. Secondly, we're called to stand firm on the evidence and truth of Christ. One of the biggest misconceptions about becoming a follower of Jesus is that you have to leave your brain at home and just believe what you were told with no evidence to back it up. I won't go into it this morning, but there's all kinds of criticisms about it. One of them that I heard this week was was that, well, you know, uh, and, and this was the lie that the soldiers were told to tell while the disciples came and stole the body away, right? Yeah, that makes no sense, people. That is, it's completely crazy. You have disciples that were so afraid and disciples that, that turned away from Jesus, disciples that were fearful of being persecuted, were fearful of what the government would do, Disciples that were were struggling to proclaim faith in Christ in the face of his being crucified, like they were going to risk and somehow have this great courage to go and take his body away with, against 60 soldiers guarding the tomb? I, I don't think so. It just doesn't even make logical sense. But the reality is that Jesus appeared... 13 different times recorded in the New Testament to over 500 people at one time. There was one view of Jesus by 500 people. And this, these 13 different times occurred over a 40-day period. Here's the problem. People don't really want to look at the evidence. And if they did, they would not want to accept it. But the reality is that the evidence is there. 
And the testimony of that is saying, you don't just worship something that you don't understand. The disciples worshiped him because they knew him. They had spent three and a half years with him. They knew him well. They recognized him and they embraced him. That line that they worshiped him when they saw him is very important. And the other one that I thought was very interesting in Matthew 28 verse 9 is just then Jesus met them. So Jesus came into the room where they were and he said, good morning. And I'm thinking, who says that? You just died. We saw you crucified. And you come in and go, hey, how you doing? Good day, huh? What? Good morning. I, I just think that we miss the normalization of what actually happened here. It doesn't make sense, except it does. Jesus wanted them to understand, look, I told you guys about this for a long time, for the last year constantly. We've been teaching about what was going to happen, and it happens, so what's so unusual about it? It's another day, good morning, like any other day I was with you, good morning. And then they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And so examine the facts. Do the questioning. Uh, Look up Lee Strobel's book, A Case for Christ. He also has A Case for the Resurrection. Check out the evidence that's there. And you'll find the confirmation over and over again. And thirdly, go tell others and make disciples. And, you know, um, we're really called to go and tell the, the, the ultimate victory of Christ in the empty tomb was a call for people to go. You'll notice that he told the, uh, he told the uh, women to go. Go tell them. And then he told the disciples to go. And, and then you have this great conclusion uh, in verses 19 and 20, the climax of the Gospel of Matthew, the whole reason for what Jesus died for was so that all could be saved. We're to take the Gospel to all parts of the world and to make disciples of all nations. And when they are ready to, to, to make that type of commitment, to w- walk with them and disciple them and teach them. Uh, and we're, we're called to be people that multiply the people of faith and we're called to move forward and to invite other people to this great mission. I believe that one of the greatest things we have is not just that we're healed from those past hurts and past sins so that we can just just be free. The freedom of Christ, as we'll see in the upcoming series, is always about being freed for a purpose of moving forward. And everything about what Jesus did was pointing the disciples to go out and to employ them. And um, I want to share with you this uh, video song. 
that um, that is a wonderful example of of the power of what Jesus did, and it's an example. Um, it's actually by a musical group, Cain. It's called the Commission, and it is a musical and video portrayal of Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and twenty. Um, and I. I want you to look at this, and there's two things I'd like you to focus on. One is pay attention. I'm I'm not big on the shots with the musicians as much. I would have liked to have seen more shots of Jesus in this, but f- focus on look at the age range of of the vignettes of Jesus' ministry to other people. And also look at the nature of his relationship that is being expressed as as we hear this message of going forth and going out and sharing the good news. At the end of the passage that this song is based on, Jesus told the disciples that he will be with us. I don't know where you're at today. But my prayer would be that the power of the living God who defeated death and is resurrected and lives forever that invites us to follow him and to go invites us to a journey that is unknown but filled with the joy of the Lord and his presence along the way is going to be with us because goodbye is not the end. And he will be with us always. May you experience the power and strength of the resurrection to stand firm in the faith and make a commitment to Christ and then to follow him and be willing to go. And may God bless his church And this day especially, may the church worldwide, all of the followers and believers in Jesus Christ, rise up and take anew this call because people are waiting to hear the resurrection message, the good news, the power of a new life. Amen.